everybody. Welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast here on the Everything Unscripted Network. I'm your host, the man with the plan, Dan Hummer. And I'm here with uh, my gracious, lovable, humble, beautiful co-host, Eric's here. <laughs> What's up? And uh, of course, I'm doing well. And of course, the voice of Unscripted Wrestling, even though I can't do that too much because you'll get a big head, Doug. Yo. Yo. Yeah, you already can't fit in hats. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, I when you say big head, I know what head you're talking about. Well, I would hope your aunt's talking about that one. Yeah. Uh, today it's a big episode. We're gonna be t- talking about enlisting our favorite tag teams of all time. This isn't best tag teams. This isn't the stupid fan vote. You fucking idiots! <laughs> just kidding. We love you. Uh, well, mostly. Some of you do suck. Let's be honest. But uh, who doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah. There's always a few people that suck in a group. Pretty much. Uh, but we we're here to bring you our ten favorite tag teams of all time. Our individual lists. It's not best. It's our favorites. It's the tag teams we grew up watching. The things we enjoy. The things we love. Uh, before we get into all that, I guess we have to talk about Vince McMahon, huh? Oh God. Ah. Uh... All right, so for anybody that does not know, uh, Vince McMahon is back with the WWE. He's on the board of directors. Pretty much, but, like, he's just on the board of directors right now. So we don't know if he's going to come back and he's going to run the company, if he's going to be CEO or if he's going to be head of creative. They're saying he's not. They're saying it's just a board decision right now. But he, the rumor is that he came back so he could sell the company. Of, I mean, I think he's going to fuck it up first and then sell it. <laughs> but so, and a lot of a lot of talent apparently, when they heard he was coming back, they said. If he's gonna if he's gonna take over creative and become CEO, we're we're booking. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you later. Uh, so basically, the timeline of events was everybody remembers, you know, back at the beginning of December, the uh, the Nine Lives of Vince McMahon documentary came out on Vice. Earlier that day, the Wall Street Journal reported that Vince McMahon was telling people that he's planning on making a return to the company because he didn't get to go out on his terms. He got, he felt like he got bad advice and those investig and those allegations against him were going to blow over. And then of course, two more allegations came out, but he wrote a letter to the board of directors at the end of December saying, I want to come back. I'm going to come back and I'm going to be on the board. And the board wrote him back and said, please don't, we're actually having a good time without you here. Like, like things are running smoothly. You will screw it up. I mean, I don't know if those were the exact words, but that's pretty much the message is that they would prefer. He does not come back. He wrote them again, uh, December 31st and said, too bad. I'm gonna. And when I come back and take, and then, He's also elected because he has the uh, majority vote 
uh, as the executive shareholder uh, and founder of the company, he has a majority vote to put himself on the board and anybody else he sees fit. So he's reelected George Berrios, the former president, and yes. Michelle Wilson, a former vice president. And they've kicked three people off the board in the process. Uh, and then also two other people actually uh, ex- exited the board today because they see the iceberg head towards the Titanic and they need to get the fuck out. Yeah. So, uh, but Vince wrote them back and said, oh, yeah, by the way, I, I'm, I'm coming back. You know, it's happening. And by the way, if I am not named executive chairman, any sale of the company that is going to be, that is looming, I will deny. Yeah. And I will deny all sale of digital media rights. Yeah. Which means Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, their deals are up. Vince said they're not making it back to TV if I'm not executive, if I'm not uh, executive chairman. Yeah. So he basically threatened to hold the company hostage. Yeah. So. Uh, I wonder how Triple H and uh, Stephanie feel. Obviously, they don't feel too bad about it or else they would have poisoned his Christmas dinner. Mm, yeah. <laughs> or no, I mean, there's no logic in that at all. Uh, well, I mean, he's 77. No one's going to miss him. Uh but so I, I I don't know like if he they said in a press release like Stephanie said in a press release it's good to have him back or whatever which is a fucking lie did she say that it, it's in the press release that you know he's been around for so long because I think what's what's happening is he's coming back because he knows somebody's going to buy the company yeah so he's getting he's coming back so he could sell it probably uh, and it's his baby. You know, people don't like giving their babies up. Right. And, but, like, the thing is, is that just, if you want to stay in the boardroom, stay in the boardroom. That's fine if you if you want to be in the boardroom. Don't get the fuck up out of the chair. Do not go to the arenas. Do not make decisions. Because you're going to fuck it up. Well, that's the only thing that he's exactly. so power hungry. Because he's got, like, who else, like, and there's a lot of corporate assholes out there and a lot of guys that own companies obviously which just owning a company doesn't make you an asshole but there's so many businessmen and owners and stuff like that out there but a lot of them the goal is to work your ass off and then when you reach the goal you know you happily retire and you like kind of just you hang out and you let let the kids run it you know and you let but the fact that vince has like he was able to create his own little world, like where he's God, pretty much. And he could do whatever. He wrestled God and won <laughs> at that one backlash. He, this is his baby because he created it. And he's been the center point of it. He's been one of the biggest, you know, heels before. He's like, this company is Vince McMahon. So I think it's just him. He can't walk away from it because he can't think about anything else that's not wrestling because he created this universe for himself pretty much around himself and i'm not trying to call him a narcissist he made a lot of money and he fucking provided oh, no, for a lot of people's, he he's provided for a lot of people's families and stuff too and he's helped a lot of wrestlers you know the, there's there's a lot of millionaires in the wrestling business there's a lot of failed careers too but there's not a lot of millionaires but 
he's given a lot of guys jobs and, you know, helped out a lot. And like, he was loyal to like Pat Patterson and stuff like that. And so it, it sucks if he takes creative because he doesn't need to anymore. I don't know why he can't just like, I do know because he thinks he's got, it's it's a point about him that he should die. We're going to skip it. (laughs) No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Yes, I believe that. I know, but you've said it five times. But the thing is, is that, he is just – I think he's a selfish piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. He doesn't, he doesn't want the company to succeed without him. You know, like, that's pretty much your point because it's his baby and all that. He yeah. feels like it can't succeed without him, but it is. Well, yeah, it is and isn't. The product's better, but – and are sales going up? The stock price was up. Uh, the highest it had been since July, and it went up again today with the news that he was coming back. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure people are just buying it now so they could sell it in a couple of weeks when the shit goes stout. Who knows? But it's just I, I I think it's very selfish on his part. Yeah, but when has he not been selfish? That that's my point. He created this world to where he's he could be the top bad guy. He's in the main event sometimes like he he would show up like look at some of those attitude attitude era raws and just think if it wasn't for him and even though you hate him so much you wouldn't have something that you totally love well if it wasn't for you'd have two years of wcw (laughs) and that's the thing and that i because i am grateful for for that right what i'm not grateful for is the last 10 years of shit that he has that he has given okay the wrestling fans because the, the product that he has had pretty much from about, let's say, about 2012 to, you know, finally, you know, 2022, when they were able to at least get rid of him for six months. Right. It was absolute dog shit. And it was pretty much he, because he felt like he didn't want to push anybody new. Right. Yeah. Because you had these other guys who coming in here. Uh, yeah, guys at Triple H was pushing in NXT, but because Triple H, uh, NXT was not Vince's creation, Vince had no faith in any of them. Right. So when they get to the main roster, Vince books them like shit, and it's just like he didn't want to create new stars. He's like, oh, you know, none of, you're not giving them a chance, you fucking idiot. In a way. In a way, yes. Uh, to me, there's I don't – I'm not going to say somebody should die and go to hell because of creative. So I don't really align with that. I do think it's he doesn't need to be there anymore. One, he's too old. Two, he's uh, the allegations are stuff that you don't like. Having sex with people and paying them off is kind of you know yeah fucked up. Kind of a it's, taboo, no yeah, no subject. Yeah, it's sneaky and it's slimy. It's doing shit like that, you know, firing big stars out of nowhere during COVID. Like he he's done more more immoral things and i'm not saying he's a terrible person because i don't know him nobody actually knows him they know this figment of what he's created and you probably feel the way he wants you to feel Doug. well because you're reacting to the mcmahon character more than anything because you don't know anything about it no i don't you know what you read and the the thing like i just know like what i'm what i'm looking at like what i see because like he's 77 years old and he is you know Back in the 80s, everybody was accusing Vern Gagne of being out of touch and not in touch with reality and refusing to move forward and all that. And the same thing with Bill Watts in the 90s. 
Yeah. Vince McMahon doesn't move forward. Vince McMahon sticks with what he knows. And some, sometimes, yes, that works. And no, I don't think he should die and go to hell because of creative. I think there's other things that he has done that has earned him a path in hell, but Satan won't let him down there because Satan's afraid he'll take over. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, do I do I want him dead? No. And, you know, I can't really wish death on anybody, even though I probably have. Uh, you have in this episode. <laughs> no, what I'm saying... I know, I know. I don't want to get into it anymore. Yeah. Unless there's a new point. Because I'm no. down to keep talking, but I, let's not reiterate the same shit over and over. No, it's just more... I, but No, what I do actually think is that there were people that were just figured, okay, he, he's going to retire. He's, if he retires, he'll just sit home. He'll be bored and he'll, you know, we'll be, we'll bury him. Mm-hmm. All right. They didn't actually think he yep. was actually going to plot to come back. I think you did though. I did. All the wrestling fans did. What? Think he was going to. Yeah. No one thought he was just going to go away gracefully. No. Play I, back no, the tape on this episode. I'm pretty sure we even no, said the, he's going to. No, I think all the fans, I, I, all the fans, thought he was going to come back. I'm pretty sure, like, there were people in the company that were yeah, just like, all right, he's gone. He's gone now. Like, you know, he's going to have nothing to do. We'll be, we'll be at his funeral next week. But, no, it's just like, again, he did not do this on his own. He did not retire on his own. He was told by the board of directors, you need to go away because yeah. you, uh, you are not good for business right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why he thinks he still he, he still is good for business. Well, we don't even know if he's doing creative stuff. Well, and that's the thing. If he's just going to sit in a boardroom and like you know interview people to possibly buy his company, yeah, fine, yeah. let him do that. Yeah, all right, he can be the uh, fucking a uh, board member. I just hope does he, he really want to sell the company. That's the rumor. That's the rumor. I don't know if and he they has... want to sell the company. And that's him basically saying, well, you're not selling if I'm not there. I Yeah, I don't know if they're actually going to – because to be honest with you, I don't know who would actually buy it. I, I think people would buy it for the library. Okay. Uh, well, and live event ticket sales. Live Live event ticket sales, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's still – packing arenas, no matter what you want to say. Yeah. There's still people that go to Raw every fucking week. It's not empty chairs or anything. Because it's not the pandemic era anymore. Yeah, but even, I mean, they had the Thunderdome, but it's like, there's people still buying fucking $200, $300 tickets to go see wrestling. So, you can't really get, I mean, it is profitable and more than, but the library is cool too, but the library it only goes so much because all you got to do is pay ten ninety nine to see that. Yeah. Which to be honest, to be honest with you, like if something were to happen and WWE were to shut down, if they just kept the library open, like if they just kept like the network or Peacock or whatever, yeah, I'd be fine with that because that's all I really. I don't watch the current product. Even with Triple H taking over, like we watch the pay per views, like I'll watch the Rumble in a couple weeks. Yeah. Just to see Vince enter at like number thirty and win the damn thing. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't have time to watch their TV every week. Yeah, me either. All right, because you and I, you know, we're at work so many hours a week. 
We go to bed at a certain time of night because we got to be up early in the morning. We spent time for fucking seven hours of WWE TV. Yeah. It's not late. It's just, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with this now. Okay. It was, we'll see what, I mean, he's back and we're, we're going to see what happens, see the repercussions. Can't be worse than Tony Khan. Yeah, which, by the way, he tweeted out today, and he's just like, you know, I, everybody's being so nice to me at work today. His Twitter sucks. He sucks. I don't like him. Yeah. Eric, do you have anything on this before we move on? I'll just say I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised either. I, I don't think anybody is. I, I mean, uh... I... He does what he he's seventy seven. He does what he wants. And like I said, he's always done what he wants, and he's always been able to. Yeah. He literally created his own world, and no one's been able to tell him what to do ever. It's always been him. There's always been the one. No one's been like Vince. No, it's always everything well, goes through him. Well, everything. What they said. People will say, "Hey, that's not a good idea," but he'll do it anyway. Yeah, but then, and then he fires him, and he keeps it moving. There's no, there's nobody that tells him no. You can't fucking do that. He wrestled God. He fucking he said the N word to John Cena in front of Booker T. Like he can do. He's always been able to do whatever the fuck he wants. And now that he feels like he can't, it pisses him off. And he's like, no, I'm coming back, and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. That's the way I see it. Yeah. All right, list time. All right. I can't believe you wanted to talk about this for that long. Top 10 favorite tag teams. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. All right. Who's your number 10 favorite tag team? Strikeforce, Tito Santana, and Rick Martel. Okay. Get into them. Give us some content. Uh, all right. So they formed in August of uh, 1987. So Rick Martel was part of the Can-Am Connection. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's Canada and America. Yes. Uh, with Tom Zink. Well, Tom Zink realized that he didn't want to work in the WWF because it was going to be too hard on him. So he left in July. Yes. Uh, they needed Rick to get another partner because they were going to put the tag team titles on Rick. And but, Zink. And Zink, yeah. So they were going to they, – they needed to get him another partner. Uh, Tito really wasn't doing anything. Well, they needed him. They needed Martel to have another partner for two reasons. One is obviously for the tag title, and two, they were gonna. He was gonna have a song on that Pile Driver album. Okay. All right, the Girls in Cars. Yes. Uh, and pretty much like that was always kind of weird to me, like because they're always associated with it. And the instrumental version is was their theme. Yeah. But, like, if you look at, like, if you watch the music video, they're not in it. Yeah. Like, Tito and Rick aren't in it. But, like, they got to pick the song and the instrumental is theirs or whatever. Uh, or the instrumental is their theme song. So, they got put together and they were together for uh, about, I want to say it was a, a little less than a year. Then Martel had to, re- had to go away for a little while. Yeah. Because his wife was battling cancer. Yeah. And then he comes back after about a six to eight month absence and they decide, all right, well, we're going to put you guys back together for a little bit. But then they're like, you know what? Maybe we should turn Rick Hill. And then all of a sudden the model happens. 
Yeah. But they were together for a while. And when they were together, they were, I thought they were a really good tag team. Like, yeah. they were really good baby face, a good looking baby face tag team. They were. They didn't make my list, but they are one of my favorites. And and they were, like you said, they were a great white meat baby face tag team. Yeah. And uh, both great workers. Uh, and what's funny is that, like, and I feel kind of bad for them because at WrestleMania 4, when they wrestled Demolition, Demolition beat them. Demolition, like, the fans boosted, did not give a fuck about Strike Force, but they were happy when Demolition won. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, they didn't get a pop. Yeah, well, and also they didn't get a pop because uh, the fans were already, like, a four, or almost four hours into a show that they knew was not ending anytime soon. But, yeah, no, that, they're my, uh... They're my number 10. All right. Who do you got, Eric? Um, they're not... I had to put them on my list, even though they're not currently my favorite right now. Um, and I think Doug knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> if he hates them. Uh, the Young Bucks. <laughs> yeah. I can. I mean, I had to put them on. They're they are still one of my favorite tag teams because I I love watching them, even though right currently right now I don't like them. That's understandable. Matt Jackson, their brothers. I just think they're, for me, they're entertaining to watch. So, yeah, that's why I have them on number ten. All right, my turn. I have former Ring of Honor tag team champions, former uh, TNA tag team champions, and I think they're ten times better than the Young Bucks. But I, the Young Bucks are a good pick, Eric. Uh, I went with the American Wolves, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. That's a really good pick. That's a great uh, I was never a fan of Davey Richards. Yeah, no. But Eddie Edwards, I think, is one of the more – underrated uh, workers. And I have the complete opposite opinion to where I like Davey way better than Eddie. And I, I thought both oh, wow. were awesome. I thought they were a great, great tag team. I thought Davey Richards was fucking phenomenal. though. He was one of my favorite Ring of Honor guys. And I always liked him better than Eddie. They're one of those tag teams that they're, each one of them are, um, are both good at um, single wrestlers. They're both badass, and Ring of Honor just has, has had, like, deep tag team divisions over the years, so they've had, like, really good yep. matches with some really good teams. Like, them and the Briscoes, of course, probably the biggest. But even them and that, like, uh, what was that All Night Express with Trent whatever and fucking Kenny? Brad Titus and Kenny King. Yeah, they were Kenny good. King? And they had a fucking tag team, ma- really good matches with the Wolves. And, you know, they went to TNA yep. and had a pretty good run, and then they split up and everything, and which I, I didn't think was as good. But the their, their TNA run was good when they came in in 2014 and automatically were a big deal. They did that best of seven with Austin Aries and Rude, which was... It was good. I mean, and it was a down, kind of a down period for the company. Yeah. But, Those were good matches. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that was like one of the... Because that was at the point at time in the company was 2014 when they were, you know, taping uh, TV like four or five months ahead of time. Yeah. 
and, and not staying aligned with the pay-per-views. Yeah. And to me, it was one of those, especially more so for Ring of Honor, because in TNA, I mean, they did have their single runs, but when they first got to TNA, they were presented as like a tag team. I love them in Ring of Honor because it felt very much like a, almost like a, you know, a Triple H in Austin or like, you know, Kane and Undertaker, not as connected as Kane and Undertaker, but like separate their big main event stars. Like yeah. Davey Richards has won the title. Eddie Edwards has won the world title. They both, Eddie Edwards actually won a ladder match with a broken arm, which is still impressive. But those two are main event stars on their own. And then you put them together and they're an amazing tag team. I think that's very cool. Absolutely. That's what I went with. I love the tag. Thank you. Who's your number nine, Doug? Bad Company. Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka. Okay. So, AWA tag team, pretty much the dying day or the dying days of the AWA. They started in '88. They were uh, on top in the tag teams for about a year. Uh, they beat the Midnight Rockers for the tag team title. They ha- they held those titles, by the way, for a year. Yeah. Uh, and just like, you know, the song, Bad Company, you know. Especially, right? yeah. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page was their manager. And to me, they were, they were kind of ahead of their time. Yes. I think. I mean, and then, you know, they get to WWF and they're the Orient Express. They hide the fact that Paul, that Paul Diamond's a white guy by putting a mask on him. Yeah, that was a little much. Yeah. But it's bad company. They were fucking awesome. And, yeah, they were, they were hugely over. And then Heyman brought them in the ECW as bad company. Yeah. Uh, which worked for a little while. Well, in, at the beginning stages of ECW. Right. Uh, but yeah, no. So they were, and as a heel, I thought they were a good heel team. They were a great heel team. All right, who do you got, Eric? Number nine. I got Egg and Christian. Very good. Um, that's, that's a great pick. Isn't it crazy both guys are still wrestling? <laughs> it, it's yep. weird, but I mean, I mean, and Christian's more of a manager now, but yeah. because he's so injury prone. But the fact that Edge can still go out there and have like, because we saw the I Quit match at at Extreme Rules and how good that was. That was good, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was calling for, you know, the same outcome for Rhea Ripley as I was calling for Vince earlier, but it was just like Edge, Edge and Christian can both still go. Yeah. I mean, look at what Christian yep. did last year against uh, uh, Kenny Omega. Kenny and Omega. They needed a pay-per-view, for Christ's sake. I forgot about that. Well, it was overshadowed by Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuting, but... It was still really good, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And Christian proved that he was a good singles wrestler in uh, Impact Wrestling. Or TNA, I mean, sorry. Christian, and we're going to do it again, because we did it at the beginning. we got to do another underrated list at some point. Yeah. We did it two years ago, but... Christian, in my yeah. eyes, will always be probably, if not the, in the top five most underrated wrestlers of all time. Yep. He never got a fight. I can agree not more. Not compared to Edge. He was just as good, if not better, the whole time. And, and that's, 
like the thing is, is that like when he got the world title run, it was pretty much just to capitalize on the you know on Edge's retirement. Yeah, because Edge felt like he was passing the torch to Christian. Problem is, nobody really believed that Christian was the main event player that Edge was. But he was. He always was. He always could be. He was in TNA, and he proved it awesome. He was one of the one guys that went to WWE, or went to TNA from WWE, that really made that company better and gave a shit about it. So he he did in TNA, and we forget, once he got the title, that storyline with Randy was fucking amazing. Yeah. With him turning heel, and that was a perfect role for him. He didn't need a fucking six-month yep. babyface reign with the title. That that shit with Randy was awesome, and him fucking making Randy I love do the that. DQ to get the belt back and shit. Like it, that shit worked. And the one more chance, one more met, like he just he he was always a better heel than he was babyface. No, I agree. Uh, and I say the same I thing. That. Edge too. He was a good too. Heel. It's just Edge did shit with like Cena on the biggest stage, so he's always going to be more known. But to me. Christian never got a fair shake for how good he really was, especially when he was over in TNA, probably having better matches with like AJ Styles and shit and Kurt and stuff. Yep. Imagine like if you go match for match, fucking week to week from TNA and WWE, I don't know who has that kind of fucking time, but if you did that for Christian and Edge, I guarantee you, you could probably count better Christian matches than Edge matches. Yeah. I would probably watching say TNA that. back that I have, I, I love this. Christian storyline and on, uh, and he turned heel. On he things. was so good. He was so good till he stopped yeah. really giving a fuck that last couple months, and then he finally left. Yep. Christian, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Once, like, especially when the main event mafia started and and that shit, and you could tell he was kind of checked out. Yeah. Well, because you knew that he had a home back in WWE. Especially the shit with Booker, like he just didn't give a fuck anymore. You could kind of. Oh tell. yeah, no, he didn't give a. Fuck. He was ready to go. To go back, but no, that's a great pick, Eric. Thank you. All right, my number nine. We're gonna do Nikki Cross and Alexa. I'm just looking at my list. I hope that's all you're doing. Yeah. Uh, we got our only female uh, team. On I'm the... not gonna start watching porn until I go upstairs. Well, you never know with you. <laughs> but uh, my only female. Speaking of porn, not porn. <laughs> But my only female team on my list is uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Nikki Cross. I love that pick because I thought they were a really good team. I mean, I was kind of bummed when they when they stopped teaming together. Me too. Uh, although, like when they started doing like the demon shit with Alexa, which they're starting to do again. Really? Well, she snapped on Monday night. Oh, she yeah. beat the shit out of Bianca. She lost, but she beat the shit out of Bianca. Yeah. I mean, it was by DQ that she lost, but still. Uh, it just worked so much. And by the way, for, for this failed uh, female division, uh, not failed, but this tag team division that should have been bigger than it ended up being and still is, I do want to shout out some of the teams that had so much potential and that could have made it a really full and great division, which are the Iconics, even if you don't like them. doesn't matter. They're still... Could have been one of the better heel tags. I like Peyton Royce, and to be honest with you, Billy Kay was was funny. Yeah, I mean, she looked like Harold Briscoe in drag, but uh, she she was fun. Uh, obviously, Oscar and Kyrie Sane were a cool combination. Oh God, yeah. And I would also yep. say, uh, what's her fucking name? 
I, I forgot the third pair now. But Sasha? Well, and, and Sasha and Bailey could have been something. I liked it when they were when uh no when Mandy Rose and uh uh Sung and Ville were teaming together. I thought they were they were good too. But I will say the best of all of them, and to me what kind of saved that division for a little bit was Alexa and what's her name and Nikki Cross. Because it was a pivotal time for both. Nikki Cross really wasn't working on the main roster and she kind of was lost without her stable that she was in. Sanity. Sanity. So she she was kind of lost there and she needed kind of direction. And Alexa needs to become likable for this babyface run because she did a very phenomenal job of playing one of the biggest bitches ever in her heel run in the in the last three years up to that. From 2016 on, she's probably one of the top heels in the company. Yeah. And uh, she she was great. and she But she was so good at making you hate her. And she's done bullying stuff. And, like, so it's hard to make someone like that likable. But her and Nikki did it. And that combination was so goofy. She was kind of the hot one, but she would be kind of cool and, like, have fun with, with Nikki and, like, let her guard down. And it made her likable. It made Nikki a fan favorite. And I thought it's, like, one of those tag teams that it just worked out for everybody. And I think everyone kind of came out better because of it. And to me, it was the last kind of compelling Alexa work in a sense. Yeah. I, I didn't mind the fiendship, but it wasn't like after like a few months, it, it played out. After a few months and after Randy Orton did the job. <laughs> yeah. Even though her attacking John Morrison by, over the fucking barricade still one of my favorite robbers. Yeah. And like, and you just kind of, that just shows you how much Randy Orton like believes in Alexa <laughs> yeah. for him to fucking... Because normally, you know, a guy like Randy Orton would be like, you're fucking kidding, right? Yeah. She's five foot one. I'm six five. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought her and Nikki really worked as a team. All right, Doug. My number 18? Yeah. The best looking tag team I have on this list. Oh. Henry and Phineas Godwin. Jesus Christ. As JR once said, Proof of what happens when second cousins marry. That's fucked. <laughs> uh, I like them better as baby faces than heels. You didn't like Southern Justice? I thought it was stupid. But I, to be honest with you, I actually like them, though, as Texan Shanghai in WCW. Okay. I like Southern Justice because I thought it kind of made them legitimate. Yeah. But I also did like uh, the Godwins with Hillbilly Jim because it was fun and quirky. It was just, it was kind of in a dying time for the business. So It was a dying time for the business and it wasn't necessarily like a great gimmick, but I think Hillbilly kind of made it work. Yeah, and the, they were fun and I liked the stuff they did with Sonny and Phineas and yeah. and, and then him, them throwing the slop on her and shit. Yeah, and like, I mean... And Henry could work, yeah. by the way. I mean, Phineas wasn't bad either, but Henry was the guy that, like... Yeah, but Phineas was the guy that stuck around for a while as, like, Midian. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he really had nothing... Uh, Mark's just like, you know, Mark Canterbury, Henry Godwin. They're just like, yeah, we we don't need you. and it was Which is which is sad, because he was the better worker of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, I, and like the whole Southern Justice thing, like when they came out, like they didn't, uh, they just wore the overalls, but they didn't like 
or no, uh, like Henry still had, like he had the Confederate, uh, yeah, uh, the Confederate shirt on, and then like Phineas didn't wear any anything; he just wore the overalls. Yeah, which oh my god, <laughs> it's better than what he would wear later on. Yeah, nothing. The fanny pack. Yeah. Uh, but like. To me, and again, I really did think they like. I I liked their chemistry with Owen and the Bulldog. Yeah, they were fun. They were a good team, especially because that new generation tag team division uh, is kind of underrated for because the Smoking Guns were fun. Like there was a lot of good teams. They had uh, Godwin's had amazing matches with the Guns. Yeah, so there was a lot of good stuff there that people kind of were overlooking, but the Godwins were definitely a good team. Yeah. All right. Eric. I think you're going to love this, Daniel. Who you got? Um, Beer Money. Hey! Bobby Roode and James Storm. A five-time TNA champion, a road tag team champion, tag team of the year, twice in pro wrestling illustrated, 08 in 2011. I thought they were a cool tag team, and I think they're probably one of the best, if not the best tag team in TNA history. And what's funny is that James Storm has always been like a tag team guy, even when they tried to push him single. Yeah. But like, and I, I, I'm always partial to him. They're not on my list, but I'm always partial to America's most wanted, but this is where you really got to see James Storm. You like the, America's the, most wanted more. Well, I'm always partial to it. Cause that's what I was first exposed to with those guys. I like Harrison Storm together too, but this is where you really got to see James Storm's character. Yeah, the, the character development because, like the AMW, AMW was just kind of just like they wore the ma- they wore matching tights and matching coats and Storm wore a cowboy hat. Well, yeah, and it was cool because they were so villain villainous and they were bad guys like pretty much the whole run, right? AMW or yeah, no, they were babyface for. Uh, a couple of years. No, not um, beer money. Beer money. Yeah, they were they were villainous, but then like they started gaining the people's respect. And that's the thing; they were heels like pretty much the whole time. But uh, the thing is, is that Robert Roode was and Bobby. He st- he's always been a good heel. Yeah. I mean, he they don't. Yep. He's he he didn't get used well by WWE. We could all agree with that. And even yeah, now, and, like, well, I mean, he's still with the company, yeah. but he is he had, still uh, a dirty dog? With, with uh, he's actually recovering from spinal surgery. Okay, so didn't end up great for him, but he was a great heel. He was awesome back then, and he was fucking cool. And then you have, and he was a good heel that could get heat on the team, and then people could still like James Storm is like, oh, he's a drinking hillbilly that's kind of fun, and like he super kicks you yeah. and hits you with the beer, and like, yeah, it, it's just. You could like them. They were like so bad they were cool, which is hard to get. He was like a low James Storm's like a low key Stone Cold. He is a low key Stone Cold. And when they did that baby face push, when both of them got that push in like 2010, 2011, when TNA was starting, uh, maybe it was closer to 13 or 14, but when TNA was really starting to fucking catch steam again, almost in that Hogan era. That was that was 2010, 2011. When it was a, both of those guys could have been huge stars, 
And people say that James Storm yeah. was always in his own way. I don't know for sure. Well, you remember the TNA show that you and I went to, right? Yes, and he got beer on me. Well, and not necessarily just that, but like you know, the crowd was really into him. Yeah, and they were in the they were into Storm too, but or not Storm. They were into Rude too, but like Storm and the whole thing. Obviously, yeah, you know, he he got the beer on you and all that. And I actually told him that story at a convention, <laughs> like uh, about three four years later. And I told him that, and he just looked at me and said, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, James Storm's cool. Is he still in NWA or no? I don't know. I think he might actually just be retired right now. It sucks that his career didn't pan out the way it should have because he was fucking awesome. And, and both of those I guys. I love James Storm. But that tag team really worked. And it would still go down as one of the best of all time. Definitely, definitely the top T and A tag. Was that Eric's pick or yours? Eric's. I forgot the whole time. Do you think they are the best tag team in T and A history? I don't because my next pick is who I think is. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. My number eight. Yeah. Or seven. Eight. My number eight would actually be the Motor City Machine. Oh, I forgot to put them on here. Because Chris Saban and Alex Kelly. A complete to me, a completely different scenario. I don't give a fuck about Chris Saban or Alex Shelley by themselves. I didn't care about Shelley with the camera. I didn't. I didn't care about Saban, no matter what he was doing. The World Championship run was stupid, and it didn't work. And it was a copy of Daniel Bryan. And like, and I love Chris. Sa- I love those guys. Well, but they are better. No, let me finish. They're better together. That's how it goes. There's no well. They're better together. No, Saban's world title run was first before Daniel Bryan. Yeah, but which one worked? There you go. Chris Saban, he was fine on his own, and he was like, it was a good underdog for Bully Ray and stuff. But those two aren't a fraction of what they could be. They were all right in the X division. But like, Rude and Storm could have been legitimate stars, and then they were really good together as well. These two, I just see them as a tag team. I see them as the guns. The motors, and those two had, them and Beer Money have had how many fucking. Phenomenal, iconic. They had matches. five really good matches in a row. Like those, those two teams were TNA for a while in t- TNA's tag team division. Yeah, I will give the edge over the, to these guys. I will give the edge to the Guns because they've done it with so many different teams, and their style is just so fucking awesome. The stint that the Bucks that the Bucks had in TNA's Generation Me. I mean, when they, they turned them heel with the Guns. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and to me, the the guns are just an evolution of the motor or the young fucks. They're just the evolution of the guns. Yeah. By the way, all tag team wrestling yep. nowadays to me is evolution of the Motor City Machine right. Guns. By the way, the guns right now are the Impact World Tag Team Champions again. I know they beat Slater and Rhino. Yeah, and it's cool they're back and everything. I don't really give a shit anymore. But uh, them is a that's not a bad choice. They almost made my list. They're my favorite TNA tag team. All right, Doug, who's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Danny Doring and Roadkill. Holy shit, really? Yeah. I, I like these two. These were a great – and the fact that Lita was in their corner. <laughs> was in their corner for a while. So uh, you have Danny Doring, who pretty much was uh, – a guy who, you know, should have been a male porn star, 
you know, always talk about his Danaconda, uh, big penis for anybody that's trying to keep track. Uh, and, you know, got all the bitches. And then you had Amish Roadkill, one of the oddest motherfuckers, you know, on the face of the planet. So technically, Dan, it's you and me. Uh, I, you'd be the I one. Say, which one's which? I, you'd be the one with the big penis. Uh, Danny Dory can't have a big penis. <laughs> There's no way he does. Well, he said he did. Yeah, but I don't think he's telling me. Well, we'll ask Lita. Uh, but, like, so... And the funny thing is, is that they were heels for the majority of their run, but everybody liked them. Like, the fans were always behind them. Yeah, and that, those were two that I did... WWE really could have utilized them in that ECW reboot. Because they had both of them for a few minutes. They and had both of them for a little bit, and like, but they were just, they weren't working as tags. They were just working singles. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, it's one of the, like, this is an odd couple, if there ever was one. These yeah. are, like, you have an Amish, a fucking 300-pound Amish dude, and, like, Johnny Bravo is a person, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> and you put them together. And it was... It was fun, and it's a fun team, and like they're so different that it, it works. And Danny was such a good fucking like if he was anywhere else besides ECW, like in their dying days, I think he he could have been a bigger star than he ended up being. Well, they almost went to T. Well, they went to TNA in the early days, but that's when TNA only had like the per appearance deal. Yeah, and they were only signing like certain guys to like uh, to a long term contract. And Doring and Roadkill were there for like two weeks, and then afterwards, you know, they were told they weren't needed anymore, which sucked because I thought they were great. They were great, and Roadkill kind of is what he is. He was a, he was a decent big man in the ring, but Danny Doring could have been one of the better chicken shit heels. Yeah, that generation. I don't know. It's a good pick. It's a a shocking one, actually. All right, Eric, who's your number seven? I'm going with um, more, not recent, but more modern day, uh, the bar, Cesaro and um, Sheamus. The yeah. uh, best story of how they teamed up was they had a seven series match, and I forgot who won that one, but then they then they became. That's when Foley put them together. Okay. Yeah, and, and then they just became the bar, and, and they won a few times the WWE titles. Were they the Raw and SmackDown? Or yeah, they, they were both. Okay. Yeah, so I thought they were one one of the best tag teams in the last, like, 10 years. The and last what's 10 years. funny is that, like, it, it's another – it's a, one of those situations where they were good together, but they also worked well when they were against each other. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Like the chemistry that they had, like, like you could almost say like the same thing, like for uh, Storm and Rude when they were against, when they would yep. wrestle each other. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, Cesaro's a hard one because I was considering him for like five different entries for this list. He's been a lot of tag teams. <laughs> And a lot of good ones. Yeah, like, every tag team he's been in yep. has been pretty good. It usually pisses people off that he's in a tag team because he should be in the main event. Uh, everyone's always thought well, that he's... he's in a tag team now. Exactly. Well, I mean, he's in a trio, but... Yeah. 
So, but, you know, him and, like, even if you, like, look at, like, some of the more forgettable ones, they were still really good. Like, him and Tyson Kidd were a damn good tag team. Yeah. Him and Swagger were a damn good tag team. And, uh, in my opinion, of course, probably the best was him and Hero, the Kings of Wrestling, in in Ring of Honor. Kenny Lehman over here, below Jeb. He owes me a couple. (laughs) 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 But, no... And that was before Chris Hero ate at uh, 3,000 buffets. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I love yeah. Cassius and I love Ono. It's just, holy shit, right? work at the rate that he does and still kind of have, like, the endurance. Yeah, and he's still fucking super agile and shit. Like, his body looks like shit, but fuck, he's still damn good. He's still Cassius. He's still Hero. So you can't, you know, yeah. really get pissed. Anybody that has to try to lift him up can get pissed. Yeah. Well, fuck. There's big guys everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, Cesaro and, and Sheamus were a damn good team, too, and I think they really worked. I think they were better as baby faces, though. I, I do I do agree with that. Yeah, I am were. glad that guy – I am glad that that fucking Mohawk's gone now, though. Yeah, me too. I was getting sick of that thing. All right, my turn, my number seven. And this is going to be a little bit of a more underrated one and one that will probably get scoffed at by most people because it's not the team that this guy's really known for because a lot of people will be expecting me to bring up uh, Brian Kendrick and Paul London, which was a very infamous tag team on SmackDown. But I went with Paul London and one of my favorites as a kid, Billy Kidman. Because I really enjoyed their tag team on SmackDown and their subs- subsequent, right? Subsequent, their feud after. Yeah. I like when fucking Billy turned heel and started beating the shit out of London and they went in. And, and I thought it really, because Paul London's another one that's super fucking underrated for how good he was. And him and Billy Kidman together, like he was kind of the young, wild, you know, still high flying. And Billy was getting older and a little more grounded in his ring style. And I just thought they worked together. I thought they were a good tag team. They were, and they were smaller guys. Like when they beat uh, the Dudleys on SmackDown for the tag titles, it's just like, holy shit, are you kidding me? I don't think anyone saw it coming. No. So it was amazing. And I just, I always liked them. And I always liked Billy Kidman. Especially, uh, like, in SmackDown. Like, in that Ruthless Aggression era, I thought Billy Kimmel was kind of underrated for how good he was. Yeah, he just, he never really got a fair shake, I don't think. No, he didn't. Like, once he stopped wrestling in jean shorts, I thought he was really good. I don't think he should which wrestle. Was, which was weird to see that, like, because you get used to seeing him do that for... Yeah. he did it for four years? Yeah. But this is around the time he was getting better with the promo. Like he wouldn't do the shooting star anymore when he turned heel. Like I just I like that era of Billy Kidman. I thought him and London were a good team to put together. All right, Eric, who do you got? Good to me. Oh, wait, no, no, no. my uh, my six. No, Eric's going first. What? I'm just kidding. Who do you got, Doug? The Nasty Boys. You son of a bitch. Good pet. <laughs> I told you, you and I were going to agree on one. Yeah. Uh, I think these two guys are, I like them as both babyface and heel. Uh, 
I mean, I do think that they, you know, could pick better friends. Uh, you know, being the fact that their best Hogan. friend in Hulk Hogan really doesn't show that they have a good judge of character. But, uh, mm-hmm. like, I enjoyed these guys. I love their shit with Public. I'm taking, like, your whole bit because I know you're going to talk about the match with Public and the matches with Public Enemy. And I love the shit they did with Cactus and Kevin Sullivan and yeah. Cactus and Max Payne. Uh, their WWF stuff, like, when they won the titles of WrestleMania 7 against the Hearts, like, nobody could believe it, but I thought it was kind of cool. In their first WCW run when they worked with the Steiners, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and the thing, I feel like the Nasties get so shit on for no reason and so, like, not respected because they're friends with Hogan. And Like, like people, I just did? Well, no, because you did it kind of nonchalantly, though. But, like, people, like, act like everything they did didn't mean anything. And it was, all, like, they're just friends with Hogan, so they got booked. Like, Brutus. People, like, act like they're, like, Brutus. But to me, it's like the Nasties were fucking iconic. And they they were awesome. And they, they drew, and people wanted to see them get their ass kicked. People wanted to root for them. And, like, the Nasties did some fucking monumental stuff. They deserve to be on this list. I do have an alternate, just in case you were going to pull some shit like this. So I do have an alternate available. But uh, the Nasty Boys are fucking awesome. They definitely deserve to be on the list. Yeah, no, They didn't no. make my list because I didn't see enough of their early stuff. Gotta be two of the ugliest prime stuff. I've ever met, though. Oh, definitely. They almost did this podcast. Yeah, if we would have had the money. I didn't remember it being a money thing. Because they wanted us to do it right outside of that convention. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right, Eric, who you got? Number six. The current WWE Undisputed Champions, the Usos. I love the Usos. They're my favorite tag team right now in WWE. Um, I don't like them as a baby face, but as heels, they're fantastic. But, yeah. What I was it's definitely a them. different tune than what you were singing about five years ago. Five years ago, you didn't like them at all. Yeah, weren't they babyfaces? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't like the whole... I didn't like them at first when they were like all this like kid stuff. I, I, I like them right now because they're so hardcore, they're badass. It, it was the same thing with Barry. I didn't Barry. like her at first either. They are badass. They, they I, are. Do, I do enjoy them now. Yeah, because when they were doing the whole, yeah. ooh, so, like, it was just too so, much. So you guys had that was a annoying. Them displaying their Samoan heritage. Yes. I can't say the word. Yeah, it, it was the same thing with Bailey. No, that's not I mean, like, her at first either. I just, I, they, were huh? just, they were just gimmicks, and they were like, I, I don't know, it didn't work. I can't tell you what yeah. works or what doesn't work. I just fucking... I know what I like and what I don't. And when they started acting kind of gangster in 2016, like the SmackDown Live era, when they started beating the shit out of American Alpha and stuff, that's when I'm like, okay, they really found their their way. Yep. They, to me, that's they were I like the Roman Reigns tag teams for a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's like you didn't yeah. want to like them anymore. But now it's like yeah. they've totally changed their characters too. Like, the bloodline is such an important stable, and they're a part of that. And Jimmy and Jay are both fucking awesome. You can't take anything away from him. And, and I was a Roman Reigns hater, and, and I like him now. 
<laughs> exactly. Oh, we know you were a Roman Reigns hater. You led that revolt that tried to kill oh, him yeah. in Philadelphia when he won the Rumble. <laughs> he wasn't a baby face. He should have been a heel. I said that for three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody said that. Yeah, and nobody li- nobody listened to you until the world shut down. Uh, <laughs> all right. My pick. I went with one from a, one of my favorite stables in the Ruthless Aggression era. I know you don't like this team as much, but fuck you, it's my list. I went with Ric Flair and Batista. I thought it was a good team. It was the best tag team to have for that stable, especially when they had all the belts. Triple H was world champion. Randy was intercontinental, and those two were the tag. I thought Rick was a good, like, older mentor. And then you got, like, the older heel shit talker with the, like you say, the saggy man boobs. And then you have, you know, this big monster hulking fucking beast who would uh, go on to be in your favorite Avengers movies. But before that, he was a fucking awesome wrestler. And he was, like, kind of green, but he was the powerhouse, and Rick was the technical stuff. And, like, they had good matches with the Dudleys. They had good matches with, uh, you know, RVD and Kane. I I, I really liked some of the Ruthless Aggression era tag teams, and these were one of my favorites. And Rick was still going at at that age. You know? Thank you. Yeah, it's a good pick. And, yeah, I think that... uh, like Batista, even though he wasn't good at that time, uh, like er, Flair was helping him get good. Yeah, and it's not like he was shitty. He did what he had to do. Yeah, he would do his spots. All right, there, there, Doug. Yeah. Uh, I actually just changed one of my picks because I decided that like the team I had at my number five I didn't like. Who? Cool. So, I put a different number five in. Who's your original? Rock and Roll Express. All right, who is it now? Hurricane and Rosie. <laughs> I love these guys. I forgot about Hurricane and Rosie, the superhero in training. Yeah. And then when he became like an actual superhero and all that, it was a, it, when they won the world tag titles at Backlash 05. Yeah. It was like a crowning moment. For, for both of them. Yeah. Well, Hurricane Helms is one of the unsung heroes of the Ruthless Aggression era. Yeah. And how entertaining he was. And when he got put with Rosie, especially when Stacy started coming out with him. Yeah. It, it just, it was, it really worked and it was on fire. I'll never forget uh, on a Raw, because they started like this whole string of things where they were teaming with, the, uh, they were going against the Heartbreakers that Romeo and Antonio Yes. And, uh, you know, they did a, did a match against them, and then all of a sudden they started working, like, six-person tags or whatever. Because, like, but there was this one Raw where it was them and Christy Hemi versus the Heartbreakers and Victoria. Yes. And, uh, like, and that was after, the week after Victoria beat the shit out of Christy. Yes. And Christy comes out with them and she does like her little pose or whatever. Then afterwards you just look at her like, I'm going to fucking kill this bitch. And Hurricane is just basic. Why they had Hurricane be the one to try to hold her back when Rosie's 400 pounds and can basically just pick her up. Yeah. 
and with one arm and just put her over his shoulder. I I have no clue. But they they were great. Uh, Rosie was a big goofball. God bless. God rest his soul. Yeah. You know he's no longer with us. But uh, I absolutely loved Rosie, and you know, he, like I said, he was a goofball. He set his arm on fire during the Fourth of July. Uh, they were probably one of the one of the more underrated ruthless aggression ruthless aggression era teams. Okay. All right, Eric, who do you got? The uh, Dudley Boys. Um, Dudley Boys were fun in every promotion they were in. ECW, WWE, TNA. They they were just very entertaining. Heels and baby faces. And the crowd just loved them. Yeah. So they were one of the most over teams in history, so... Yeah, they made my top five. And they knew how to get heat. And Bully Ray is still yep. really good at getting heat. Yeah, Bubba especially. And that's the funny thing is there's multiple layers to the Dudleys. There's those, like, really good heels. Fucking Bubba, like, blowing snot rockets on the audience members and fucking being a piece of fucking shit. And they just wanted to see these guys, yep. like, get destroyed so bad. And then you got, like, Eva, get the tables and what that? And like the fun stuff in the Attitude Era and the TLC matches, and yeah, the Dudleys were fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, what promotion were they the best in? WWE. Uh, sorry, Doug. Yeah, no. It, 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 Paul Heyman said one time he goes, "I knew they were going to be stars no matter where they went." Yeah, and I, they were great in the heel stuff with the. They were awesome in ECW, but let's be honest, they didn't have the talent to work with like they did in WWE. Yeah, WWE, the talent, yep. the yeah. tag team roster, like, elevated. Especially in, in, in that era. In, nine, in 99, 2000. Like, some of the lesser, like, Too Cool was a fucking, like, big attraction, you know? Like, there, you had so many teams. You Edge had the Dudleys. You had Dudley, Edge Christian. Edge and Christian, Hardys, Too Cool, APA, uh, fucking, you know, Tess and Albert, uh, the Hollies, oh, when, they, when they didn't want to beat each other up. Yeah. Uh, Al Snow and Steve Blackman, for Christ's sake. Godfather and D'Lo. X-Pac and Road Dog. Yep. X-Pac and Kane for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, headbangers were still kind of together. Uh, God bless these guys. The Kyan yeah. Yeah, the Outlaws. There was so much. There yeah. were so many. So many teams you can fucking name just in that in that year, nineteen ninety nine and two thousand. Yes. And like that was the perfect time for the Dudley Boys to be on the come up. Even in two thousand one, when it was just like you know Hardys, Dudleys, Edge and Christian, APA still. Yeah. Uh, fucking uh, you know X Factor, the Hollies, uh, Jericho and Benoit. But you still had that that grouping of like as long as the Dudleys and Edging Christian and the Hardys were there. Yeah. You know, you you knew you were gonna be good. Absolutely. I we should do a top ten, um I know we do individual, but we should do a top ten um moments and matches for Dudley Boys. Yeah. And other tag teams too, but Yeah, we can. I'm down. There's a lot to choose from, I think. All right, next one. That's why it's an interesting list. No, it's a good idea. All right, my pick. 
is it six or five? Uh, I, five. You're on five. And then you're going to be on four? Yes. Holy shit. My number five, I went with probably one of the best big man combos in our history, in our generation, my generation. Uh, an RIP to one of these men. I went with Harper and Rowan. That is a really good pick, especially with what they did with it. When Those he, matches with the Usos. When the Usos were doing the whole, you know, the – Samoan thing and all that. Those matches were fucking amazing. Yeah, Remember exactly. that SummerSlam where Yumi and Sharon were, our fucking jaws were on the floor? That was a two out of three falls, right? Yeah, I don't, I think it was. And it was so good. And even Cena, like in his interview before the match, was like, they just fucking tore the house down. Yeah. Like that was match of the card. And, and they had a couple of those. And like, they were just these big threats. They were way more than just muscle for Bray Wyatt. You know, Rowan obviously was not as good as Brody. Is is Harper? Yeah, but he was still fucking good, and he was good as a big man and muscle, and they just worked together. And this was a hard slot because I had some teams like I was thinking also like the Hart Dynasty or even Vladimir Kozlov and Santino, which is hard not to put on here because uh, they're probably the best comedy team of all time. Yeah, but uh, I had to go Harper and Rowan. No, I think it's a good pick. Again. Harper could work. Rowan just kind of played that because they were both like oddballs. Yes. But they weren't like, you know, lovable oddballs. They were more creepy. uh, They were more creepy. If you're in a room with them, keep the fucking light on. Yeah. Those type of oddballs. Yeah. All right. All right, Doug, who's your number four? The Bushwhackers. Jesus Christ. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Surprise. Luke and his manager, but I thought it would be like number two. Oh, yeah. No, like Bush, well, no, not even really Luke. It's just more his management Stupid, team. sleazy manager. Yeah. But, no, they were my favorite tag team when I was a kid. I, I For some reason, I could relate to them. I mean, not that I would ever lick a kid. But, uh, no. Yeah, don't just keep going. Yeah. Just keep it moving. Yeah. Uh, but, no, they were just. They to me they were just again the, the you know lovable oddball tag teams. Yeah, they couldn't wrestle for shit. <laughs> no, but even like as the sheep herders, they weren't lovable. Yeah, they were like a grimy. And their matches, I think, they were actually better when they were the sheep herders. Yeah, and they were like these kind of like fucking rough and tough. New Zealand has some fucking strange characters, man, and these yeah. two are. Just watching the vignettes of them eating crocodile and shit was fun. But, yeah, yeah, the Bushwhackers, like, they were ultimate WWF in the 80s back then. Oh, yeah. They were ultimate. Yep. Like, it, was, it wasn't It was about wrestling. It was about fun, entertaining characters that kids could love. And that's what the Bushwhackers were. Yeah. Any kid could fucking do the shit and fucking, like, like it was just awesome. I know this isn't video, so me flailing my arms doesn't mean a fucking thing. But, Made me smile. Oh, that's good. But the Bushwhackers, they were just lovable. Like you said, they were just, like... They had this, like, aura about them. Like, they were 80s wrestling. There were so many characters that were kind of geared towards the kids because, like, you wanted to have, like, the the characters that, like, the kids would want to buy in the action figure. Yeah. Well, because it was, like, superheroes back then. Yeah. It was like a cartoon almost. That's how it had to be. That's how Hogan was with your vitamins and saying your prayers and shit. Yeah. And, like, Warrior, he was, you know... A real life cartoon character. And it's crazy. That's when people thought it was real. Yeah. Yeah. 
now it's like presented as real and everyone's like, bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, and I was happy when these guys got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, even though a lot of people said, oh, they didn't deserve it. Well, guess what? You know, they did their job. You know, they were there for the kids. They were, you know, a huge, uh, they, they were good spokespeople. They did deserve They did the, uh, you know, they would do the stuff, the vignettes at the toy stores. They did their jobs. Yeah, they did. Very entertaining. All right, Eric, who's your number four? Uh, another Attitude Era um, tag team, the Hardy Boys. Um, yeah. They were fun to watch. They were the Young Bucks before the Young Bucks. Um, more entertaining. Um, their matches with Edging Christian and Dudley Boyd. Uh, what else is there to say? The classics. Still talked about to this day. <laughs> well, and it was... Jeff and Matt. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you go. It's your pick. I'll shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. Jeff and Matt individually in single wrestlers are are great, too. I mean, Matt Hardy with all that with the um, delete stuff in TNA was... I mean, I wasn't a fan of it, but it was it got over. And Jeff Hardy and TNA... I mean, it didn't work at first, but even when he turned heel, it kind of worked. It, it, it was a shocker. So. Yeah. I mean, the money match shit in TNA before... I know they did it again in AEW, but the first round of that was actually pretty good. Yeah. It, like uh, when uh, Revy was with him and all yeah. that. Yeah. He was doing the money match shit in TNA. Yeah. I thought that shit was cool. Him and Jeff are always going to go down as one of the greatest. And it's not for anything lately, of course. Even though that return at that WrestleMania was fucking huge. Yeah. But uh, the yep. thing about Matt and Jeff was that, especially even back in the day, like people forget they were like sex symbols almost. Like the bitches love Jeff Hart, especially like yeah. in 2000, 2001. Like they weren't at the main event, but like the girls were fucking fawning over them. And they wore the like grungy outfits and shit. And they did Oh, the fucking... I had a crush on them. Yeah, like they just, they were cool. They were just these yeah, cool Yeah, they young... were good looking guys. Yeah. Athletic. Yeah, they were they good, built well. And yeah. Good looking guys. I mean, they were sex symbols that you and I actually hope we can be one day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're probably closer to Bushwick than <laughs> yeah. Hardy Boys. Uh, no, they just like they were, especially Jeff more so than Matt. Yeah. But yeah. Matt was also the grounded wrestler of the group that could really give you a thirty-minute match and go in ring, and then Jeff could fly off shit. So they were great, fucking. They were just great together, and they were like extreme. Like it, that yeah. that adrenaline was always pumping because what the fuck's Jeff gonna do next? And like the, those two were just they did capture that era, and they could have kept cat if the. If you take some personal demons away, these two could have been the it two in wrestling for as long as they wanted to be. Yep. And they both could have been That's world champions for very long times each. Right. And not like yep. ECW champion. I mean, like world title, yeah. top of the company. Like these two had so much. And I mean, it's not like they had bad careers. They're fucking both Hall of Famers anyway. But like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. All right. I get it. Eric gets it. My turn? Yeah. Your number four. Yes, sir. My number four, I went with a classic team. Their theme song was kind of played at the beginning. I loved them as the Brain Busters. I loved them in the Horsemen. 
to me, probably the best heel team you can get are Nintelli. Yeah. Uh, now, Horseman has had many different tag team vari- variations. Yeah, and Arn was part of all of them. Most of them, yeah. And the, a lot of them were good. Arn and Oli are classics, stuff like that. But Arn and Tully just captured something. And I don't know, you can't really, and it's not like they're like super opposites or like, I don't know what makes them work. They just fucking work. And they're such good heels. And like, as the Brain Busters, they were great. And the NWA, they were great. And they were always important wherever they went. You always thought like Tully was going to be like the U.S. champion, the next Ric Flair, and then fucking Arn and Oli. But when they put Arn and Tully together, it was just magic after that. Yeah. And they just, it worked. Yeah. And like WWF, when they were there for a while, like the match they had with the Hearts at the 89 SummerSlam, when the titles ended up not being on the line, and then that's when the Brain Busters just won anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was. A 16-minute match, which you did not think that Jim Neidhart could do 16 minutes, but they did. Yeah. And Neidhart, Neidhart was actually the one that had to do the selling. Yeah. Which was weird, but it was it was a phenomenal match, and yeah, they are a phenomenal team. They are. All right, home stretch here. Hey, Who's your number three, Doug? Mark and Jay Briscoe. All right, and now oh, I know people are going to say, oh, you put the wrong Briscoe team on there. They're not the best. They're the best modern – well, obviously, they're the best modern-day Briscoe because Jack Briscoe's no longer here. But yeah, to me, the greatest Ring of Honor tag team of all time. Yeah. Yep. They're on my list, too. Definitely up there. Like, those two were just fucking – they have their own style, their own personality. If they weren't so loyal yep. – they could have like done really big things, but well, don't forget WWE. When they tried to go to WWE, WWE wouldn't hire them because they thought Mark was ugly. I mean, Mark is—they're both fucking <laughs> ugly. But that's what makes them so cool. Like they're this redneck. They're like the bushwhackers if they could work and they yeah. were taken seriously. Like they're a seriously taken bushwhackers, and, and they're perfect. And they're just these like low down fucking hillbilly, almost like redneck, like. Dirty South type fucking dudes, they'll just wreck the shit out of you. And like that, like I remember, like I brought up fucking, I keep fucking up his name, Rhett, whatever. Rhett Titus. Rhett Titus and uh, Eddie something. Kenny King. Kenny King. Kenny King. And the All Night Express. I remember seeing a street fight between them and the Briscoes, and it blew my fucking mind. It was so good. Yeah. Like they just, the Briscoes, like I said, and I, I guess WWE didn't want them. They could have done big things everywhere. Well, probably not WWE because they're really not their style. Yeah. But Tony Khan wanted to bring them into AEW, but because Jay did something stupid back in, like, 2013, yeah. uh, Warner Media said, no, we're not going to have them. Yeah. But Which we don't need to get into that. I've said enough stupid shit um, the show. But uh, No, the Briscoes are fucking awesome. Though. Yeah. I agree. I was just saying now they're my, they're my favorite tag team of all time. That's your number one? Yep. The Briscoes? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to wait to talk about them then, or you want to just get it out of the way now? I'll, I'll talk more about it later. Okay. All right, who's your number three then, Eric? My number three are, is FTR. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, they're my favorite current tag team in wrestling right now. I think they're. I think they're great. I think they've been great in every promotion they've been in: WWE and AEW and ROH. And as I guess Triple A, because they won the Triple A tag team time for them. And um, uh, New Japan. So they've held they held three different championships at once for almost almost six months. They just lost. All three recently, so yeah, but yeah. And, I love I love every match he's been. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they really are the modern version of Arden Tully. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, old school tattoo. Yeah, the, you can't say much bad about them. They're they're pretty much perfect. They they are. Yeah, their and chemistry is it's great. <laughs> it is. I mean, I kind of prefer them as uh, as. Heels over uh, other than baby faces, and the fact that they've lost all their tag titles now, it almost says that they're gonna be headed back. To, I mean, I'm, uh, a certain development this morning may have changed that. But. What it really says is they were best buddies with CM Punk, and CM Punk's on the outs right now. Yeah, that's what it fucking says. I but I've heard that they want to take. Uh, they want to take 2023 lightly this year because of all the injuries they have. So they, they're going to work a lighter schedule from what I heard. It makes sense because Dax does have a torn labor, I think. Yes. So they haven't decided on their future, but I think they're working a lighter schedule, some independent here and there. So. And I even like them hanging out with uh, what's-his-name for a while, Punk, when they were – Again, that just goes back to the bad judge of character. Oh. Well, I, in this in this case, FDR okay. having, a, having a bad. I mean, they do have their own. Yeah, but that, right now, I, so. I liked those three together. I thought they were good together. Yeah. At least Eric agrees. All right, my turn. Uh, oh, I, I went. Dustin and Cody Rhodes. Bring in number three. No, for my number one. Yeah, my number three. Right. I just want to make sure we're all on the same I'm not going to skip past it. Uh, yeah. Dustin and Cody. Ever since being there live and seeing... that That's when I became a Cody Rhodes guy, is when they fucking defended Dusty's honor, they were going to get fired, and they beat the Shield. It was in Buffalo, and it's still one of the biggest pops ever. Yeah. It's on top ten pops on YouTube videos and everything. That shit was huge. And... And then American Dream playing after. Like, I remember just having goosebumps. Like, I almost had tears in my eyes. It was so... Like, it was so impactful to me as a young man. And seeing Cody and Dustin evolve and as singles, even. Especially Cody. But their work together as a tag team in WWE was a lot more solid than people gave them credit for. And it's kind of underrated. Yeah, because they had good matches with the Usos. They had really good matches with the Usos. They had really good matches with the Shield. The stuff they did with Swagger and uh, and Cesaro was fucking fantastic. Yes. Uh, no, they were a really good brother tag team. I agree. And I love both individually, so. All right, Doug, who's your number two? Demolition. 
the team that pretty much ruined Strike Force's baby face run because they were cool heels that everybody loved. You've always loved them. Yes. I've always been a huge fan. Uh, Shit, ever since I was like three years old. Them and the Bushwhackers were my favorite WWF tag team. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of ruined the gimmick a little bit when they brought in Crush. <laughs> I mean, I, unfortunately, they, they had to bring in somebody because Bill Eadie couldn't work yeah. uh, anymore due to the uh, to the alleged reaction to Shellfish. Yeah. But, uh, no, they were just... And it again, was cool for the 90s, yeah. early 90s like that. I mean, now it doesn't really age well, like with the weird BDSM fucking outfits and yeah. shit. But. You know, they actually did a Peacock commercial, right? No, I didn't. Back in, uh, like, 89, I think, it came out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Demolition were cool. I know people tried to say that they were kind of rip-offs of Legion of Doom. I never agreed. I thought they were kind of completely different. And I liked it when they wrestled the Legion of Doom, and that was kind of like a dream match when it happened. So It, it was, but it, it didn't necessarily come off well because it was Smash and Crush. Like, if it would have been Axe and Smash, it would have been better. Yeah. Axe was better than Crush, of course. Yeah, exactly. No, Demolition were fucking awesome. Yeah. All right, Eric, who's your number two? The New Age Outlaws. I thought this this team was always entertaining to me. Not maybe not the best matches, but they were just entertaining, especially because DX. But yeah, they were better heels. But Road Dog wasn't the grit. Road Dog was talker. Bailey was the worker, and Bailey was obviously the better wrestler. So, but they worked together. They, they had good chemistry. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why that team was so good, because you had two guys with two really big strengths. Because Billy Gunn was so athletic and so damn good in the ring, and just such a like underrated you know, ring worker. And then you have one of the best mic workers of all time, just fucking... So, it's just such... A, he's just got the voice to hype the crowd. Yeah. Just, he's got a radio yeah. voice, Road Dog always had. And he was just like... He was the guy in the D-O-double-G and the fucking Mr. Ass. It's just, it worked, and it made DX even cooler than they already were. So, there you go. Exactly. All right. You're, you're killing it with the Attitude Era teams, by the way. My number two, I went with the classic combination of Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, the world's greatest Really team. good wrestling tag team. And by the way, like, they didn't just work in WWE. They yeah. work in Ring of Honor. Like, yeah. like, I mean, work, yeah. like, they made it work in Ring of Honor. Yeah. I thought they did, too. Them versus the Kings of Wrestling was really good. That was their first match for Ring of Honor, their first main event when they went to TV, finally. Yeah. Oh, well, the Briscoes. The Briscoes. They like, had... that was... So good. But even, like, I'll always say, even though Charlie was a little green in the beginning, Shelton always was fucking amazing. I'll always say, Shelton Benjamin... He is, I said something about Christian, Shelton Benjamin is the most underrated and should have done way more than he ever fucking did. Yeah. And he did have a great career. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. But the fact that he just, like, welcomed his 20-year anniversary and main event, it's like, like, Shelton Benjamin's been fucking amazing for a very long time. And they were such good, they were good as Team Angle with Kurt. 
that was a great mentor for them. And then by themselves, they were awesome. And calling them world's greatest tag teams, you didn't really need a talker because you didn't like them. They were just good at being heels, like, in the ring, which was good. Like, you, they just came out and wrestled, exactly. and you didn't like them. And that's all they had to do. You did, they didn't have to talk much. Not at all. And they had great matches against Los Guerreros, probably their best feud. Ben Juan Rhino. Ben Juan Rhino was really good. APA, like, those matches should not have been good, but... They were better than they should have been. Yeah. But these two just, they had really good chemistry as a team. Obviously, Shelton was probably the bigger star. But I didn't love all the reboots. and the, they, they did bring the team together too many times. Yeah. And they brought it back too many times. But that first run was fucking amazing, and the Ring of Honor run was fucking I, I didn't like it. The only one I didn't yeah. like is when Charlie uh, Haas did the cornrows in his hair. Yeah. And remember the Highlanders? Yeah. And the one, I think it was, I think it was Rory. Yeah. Goes, uh, he goes up to Shad. He goes, I had no clue Charlie Haas was back. <laughs> and and uh, Shad looks at me like, you're right. <laughs> Like that was that was just like an underrated moment right there. Yeah. The the Highlanders were gonna be my number one, but that was they were fun. They were fun. If they did if if they didn't lose steam real quick, yeah, they would have been a really good team. I mean, the Scottish shit was always gonna be a gimmick that didn't last long. Yeah. I thought it was good. Who's your number one drum roll? Who is it? Number one? Your favorite tag team of all time. Let me guess. I'm going to guess. Your brothers. Who yep, are you saying? I knew it. I knew it. Gonna I was going to guess that. I knew yeah. you were going to say Steiner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. I no. wonder if that was really Eric's guess or not. No, it was. I, <laughs> I believe you. Uh, I, I know Doug. I know Doug know very well. well. I mean, Jesus Christ, I barked at the bowling alley. Uh but, uh, like, no, Rick and Scott, and, and the funny thing is, is that, like, Rick was a big star before Scott even got there. Yeah. But it was just, like, you put them together because it just made sense. They're both wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just kind of thrive together. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, after about 10 years, you split them up because you, you feel like that. Scott can have a big main event single run, but you're not sure about Rick. But as a team, like, and by the way, like, they could beat the shit out of you. Yeah, and even though they had a WWE run with that wasn't terrible, I feel like it's one of those teams that WWE acts like they're not as big as they are because they didn't really have their moments in WWE. But... They deserve to be the number one greatest tag team of all time for everything they did in Japan and WCW. Yeah, and and that's the thing, too. And, like, you know, they went to TNA. They did the tag team run in TNA for a little bit. And then Rick decided that he'd rather just go back to being on the school board Mm -hmm. uh, in in Atlanta. Not just on the school board, but he's also – you know he sells houses? He's a realtor? Rick Steiner is a realtor. I did not know that. <laughs> Imagine buying a house. <laughs> I wonder what his favorite room in the house is. Probably the dog house in the backyard. Uh, <laughs> but like, well, he is married, right? Yeah. I'm sure he spends a lot of time there. 
Yeah, he. Uh, I think he's a better brother. You think he's a better brother? Rick Steiner, yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about like personality wise. And a lot of people, I think, would actually say that, it, which is weird that the one they call the dog face gremlin is the more level-headed one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they were teaming, he wasn't, though. Well, his character is to be an idiot. Yeah, because he was barking around and running around, and Scott kind of kept him. Yeah. But then, like, but backstage, it's just like Scott was just always so, like, coked up and shit. Yeah. And Rick, you know... Scott Steiner is a national treasure, and we can't look past that, though. Scott Steiner's the fucking man. I love Scott Steiner. Can't take anything away from the big boy dad. I I love Scotty. Like, I'm not going to say anything bad about him. Yeah, I love Scott. But, like, I used to, like, it used to make me laugh, like, watching some of these older episodes of Nitro, where, like, Bobby the Brain Heenan would always talk about how stupid they are. And, like, Tony Schiavone would be like, look, they're great wrestlers. And he goes, I know you think that they're stupid, but, you know, you can't take it away from the fact that they're great wrestlers. They are. Exactly. They always were. Yeah. I agree. It's a great pick. Thank you. All right. The Briscoes is. is your number one, Eric. Tell us a little bit about the Briscoes and why you love them so much. I, I mean, the first time I watched them, I, I thought they were – they just have great chemistry. Their matches, I think every match they, you can put them in any kind of match, whether it's hardcore or um, put them against any team. I think they put on close to a four, five-star match. I just think the chemistry between the two, great, obviously because they're brothers, and they're both great individually too. I just enjoyed every match they've been in. They're kind of hard not to enjoy. Yeah. Exactly. I think they're they're probably the best independent rest, uh, tag team in history. I don't think you're wrong. When you think independent wrestling, you think the Briscoe tag team. No, I, I definitely can agree with that. Uh, I agree. The Briscoes were fucking awesome. All right, you ready? And they're a draw. They're a big draw. They were a big draw. But an even bigger draw in my number one pick. Oh, boy. And this is as a boy, this isn't the best tag team of all time, and it didn't have a huge, like a long run. It did have a huge run, not a long run. My favorite tag team of all time is something as a little boy because these guys started as feuding, and when they finally got together, because I loved them both, it made me so happy. The Rock and Sock Connection. Oh, that, that's a great pick. They were such good... Thank you, Eric. <laughs> such a good feud, and such a... Pro, probably my favorite rivalry of all time, too, because I love the underdog fat guy against this, like, nice, like, handsome douchebag Rock. But when you brought them yep. together and fucking... You know, Mick's trying to do the catchphrases and stuff, and he's like, you know, if you smell with a rock and sock, you know, it's just, it was so good. And Rock, like, never really wanting to claim him or, like, act like he's his friend, but also, like, giving him, like, little nods here and there. And they're three-time tag champs, Doug. 
Yeah, three-time tag champ. They had t-shirts, didn't they? They had t-shirts. They did. Their first night together when they beat Undertaker and Big Show, yeah. which is when Undertaker started not giving a shit. Yeah. Like, I'll just, I'll never forget that because that was actually one of those Raws that, like, came out at 11 o'clock at night. Damn. So, you know, back in the, back in the day when, uh, you know, the USA Network actually gave a fuck about the U.S. Open, uh, uh, Raw at the uh, Raw for like the the last week of August, first week of September would have to go, uh, would have to air at like eleven o'clock at night. Yes. Okay. So, um, they would you know either that or not air at all. But like in the Attitude Era, like they had to air Raw, or, or like when Attitude Era started, because they were starting to get the big ratings back. So it would either be a uh, a set, like a different night airing or it would be, you know, late at night. And that first night, and I'll, I'll never forget the fact, and I was so grateful for the fact that it aired uh, or that it was summertime so I could actually stay up and watch some of it. Yeah. Uh, even though, like, uh, Dad came downstairs at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning because that's around the time where, like, we had the TV in the basement and I would just hang out in the basement all the time. Yeah. Dad would come down at 1 o'clock in the morning and goes, you have to go to bed. I'm like, I don't have to go to school tomorrow. Go to bed. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Uh, but, like, I got to see Rock and Mankind be like, you know what? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna team up against Undertaker and Big Show. Yeah. And that was kind of a cool moment. And then finding out that they won the tag titles, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. And it's just like... They were so fun together, and yet, and you know, you have "This Is Your Life," one of the bi- biggest rated segments that kind of comes out of that era. Yeah, you have, uh, you know, the way they broke up was hilarious with Rock fi- Mick Foley giving him a signed copy of his book, and then him finding it in the trash later. Yeah, which was done by Al Snow, that devious son of a bitch. You fucking asshole! And just, it's not so much the matches, but it's just the chemistry of the backstage and the promos and them talking together. It's just, it was a good period for the rock who's coming off of like title reigns and he's the biggest star in the company. And, but he gets to have a little fun, you know, and do something. And Mick was more comedy at that time than anything. Yeah. Because he was kind of trying to get away of using himself as a human fucking, you know, rag doll. Yeah. So it just worked for the time. Both guys were evolving in their careers, and it was a nice little pit stop for both of them. Yeah, and then, like, when Rock really started to like Mick. Yeah, and, the, and like, when they came back, like, I remember, because I started Ruthless Aggression, I've always said on the show, that's when I started really understanding what the fuck's going on and being able to root for it instead of just being a little fat toddler in front of the TV going, eh, you know, this time. Like, now I know what it is. And when they got back together to go against, it sucks they lost the match, but when they got back together on that Raw and he announced he's got a friend and Rock comes out to face uh, Evolution, Evolution, it was like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. And they're back together. And it's like he's he fucking told Hollywood to blow him so he could go help his buddy. Like It was just so cool. So I think this is... Yeah, no, they're not the greatest tag team of all time. No, they don't have five-star matches. But for what they were, I think this... I don't think this is my favorite tag team of all time. Yeah. All right, Doug, do the plugs. All right. 
Uh, make sure you listen to Boxman and Smart, the wrestling outlet, Wednesdays on YouTube, 10, 15, 10, 20 Eastern time. Catch them Sundays, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time for the Hollywood Hangout, also on YouTube. Catch us uh, Friday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time for the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Next week, Eric has picked that we are going to cover the 2008 Royal Rumble. From Madison, well, we're not, 2008? 2008. That's next week? That's next week, yes. And that was Eric's pick? Yes. It's a good pick. Yeah, I think this, I think this week is, uh, I think actually today was the 15th anniversary. Oh, the Rumble? No, finally, I forget. No, uh, no, the anniversary of the 2008 Royal Rumble isn't until the end of the month. Oh, yeah, okay. But, yeah, no, we're doing it next week, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good show, so. Absolutely. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, will be another edition of Settle It in the Ring. Uh, It's going to be another sitcom debate, CBS versus NBC versus ABC, Representing CBS will be The Nanny. Representing NBC will be Frasier. Representing ABC will be Boy Meets World. Uh, Sharon will be participating. She'll be debating for The Nanny, and she will have help mm-hmm. from mine and Daniel's mommy. Oh, Jesus. So they'll be representing The Nanny. Representing Frasier will be uh, Karen. And then... Uh, Representing Boy Meets World will be gone. So hopefully this does not turn into, you know, Golden Girls Gone Wild. But, uh, um, of course, your judges tomorrow night will be Eric, Clintus, Boxman, and my buddy Rick will be back on the show. I will be hosting. Daniel will be upstairs probably taking a nap. Because he is not contractually obligated for this show. Yes. Uh, Sunday. So five 40, judges. Huh? So we're going to have five judges. No, four. I'm only hosting. Oh, okay. I'm only going to host, uh, and uh, you, four, you four can figure it out. All right. Okay. Sunday for the Sandcast. Yeah, we'll do that. All right, what are we doing for the Stabcast on Sunday? Or not we, but you and Mindy. Me and Mindy are going to be talking about the TV series of Scream. Okay. That, that'll be a fun show. I think so. Yeah. All right, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for the webcast. I forgot what me and Bobby are talking about. I know we're talking about the Green Lantern uh, Phantom thing for our reading assignment. And we're uh, also doing Deadpool versus the Marvel Universe. But... uh. Yeah, I don't know what the main topic is. Okay. I'll get back to you. All right. And then next week, uh, Eric and Clintus, either Tuesday or Wednesday, will be on hard hits, reviewing week 18 and previewing the playoffs. Yes. Yep. Also, don't forget to you want to join us, you're more than welcome. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Okay. Since it's the playoffs, so just asking. 
Oh, no, I appreciate that. And uh, we'll see. I might. It depends on what stupid shit Skip Bayless says. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and then don't forget to tar- check out our buddy Sean at Elite Diplodoc on YouTube and Twitch. And that's all I got. I think we can go home now. Plus, I got to pee. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Great show, guys. Great show. Nice. Love, Love you, too. too. Should be a shit out of my way. <laughs>